Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this time. We pray that we would use it for your glory, that you would open our eyes and ears, that we might learn more about you, that we might grow in our Christ-likeness, Lord, and that we might uh, increase our zeal to be prepared for good works and for uh, doing things that draw men to understand your truth. Lord, please do help us to be godly stewards of all that you've provided us, and may we remember that you've given us everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, we're going to start with kind of remembering what stewardship is in general, and then we're going to look at some of the tools that we have to make good decisions on how to steward what we have, and specifically time. Then we'll look at some of those things that are tensions that draw us away from, even if we know maybe the best decision, we, we, we may lean towards another one, and then again, get into what I'm calling integrated time management. So one of the things that I grew up with in the church was this notion that God knows our heart. And generally, that was used when someone kind of didn't keep a commitment that they had made, or if they'd done something, they say, oh, well, well God knows our heart. And as we learn about God and his wisdom and his holiness, that's, that can be a very frightening thing because we know that God knows the depths of our depravity. But again, as our brother Ray remind us, reminded us of a couple of weeks ago, God still delights in us. And out of that delight and out of that love for us, he's given us his word so that we might actually gain some insight into some of our own heart issues. And so we've been looking at Matthew 6, 19 through 21, which says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we understand that in our stewardship, we have an opportunity to learn something about our heart. So that makes it one of those important tools. It's not just kind of an activity where we uh, just kind of go back and forth and do whatever we, comes to mind. It's a tool uh, to engage in heart lessons. So we talked about stewardship, what it is. So it's carefully managing what is entrusted to us. And we know as believers, it's utilizing and managing all resources God provides for the glory of God and for the betterment of his creation. And quite simply, it is using what we have in this life to make sure that we are investing in things that are eternal. Now, we had a question in the very first class about what types of things we have, and, and most of us got to at least 10 of the 10 things that, we, that I asked about, so we know that we have all those things and we know where they came from. Scripture tells us, ask the rhetorical question, of what do you have that you did not receive? We understand that the answer is nothing so that we know everything we have has been given to us by God. And as such, we are stewards to it, to God for those things. And that helps us to understand how we evaluate our stewardship. The only way that you can understand if you are being a good steward or a bad steward is if you go to the person who's given you all those things and you understand from them what their purpose was for giving you. So again, we remembered, even if I produce the most phenomenal jet ski that man has ever known, and it's low on emissions, and it maybe can even take you to the other side of the ocean, that is poor stewardship if I work for a car company. So the person who gave me those resources determines for me 
what good stewardship is. So we don't make this decision uh, kind of willy-nilly on our own. We have to go to the person or the entity who gave us those things. And finally, we were reminded of that ever-important truth, we just can't do everything. And the reason I repeat that is because we just can't do everything. We sometimes forget that and we sometimes try, but the truth is we can't do everything. And again, my brother Mark highlighted one of the learnings that can happen from that, which is the importance of the body that God has placed us in is because he's given us those differing gifts because he never intended for us to do everything. So we ought to remember that. So we've got a couple of tools because we want to have some ideas around how can I evaluate my own stewardship? How can I make sure that I'm making the kinds of decisions that, that would be classified as good stewardship? And so the first one is to understand our purpose or our mission. And simply stated, this is the answer to the question of why am I here? So every believer knows that the answer to that question is in Scripture. So we go there to understand our purpose and our mission. Um, Lewis Carroll is paraphrased to say, if you don't know where you're going, any, any road will get you there. So it's crucial for us to understand where we're going so that we can make the right decisions as we go down this walk of stewardship. And we know that, again, whether we eat or we drink, we do all that to the glory of God. And as the body, our responsibility, our commission is to go and to make disciples. So every decision we make in our life in terms of what we spend our time on needs to be washed or needs to be uh, compared to that purpose, that mission. And the next thing is a vision. So we know that we are part of a body and we know that we all have different giftings. We all have different opportunities. So what I'm calling vision is a picture of how I might, me personally, might be able to use to the best extent possible all of those things that God has uniquely gifted me to do. So I have skills, I have responsibilities, I have talents, and so my notion of, of a vision is, okay, uh, everyone has the same purpose, we are all in the same body, but each individual part has a different role to play. My identification of that role that I might play in this whole body is kind of a notion of a vision. And so that will help me to consider different things that I might spend my time on uh, and make differing decisions between other people. I might decide to do something different because what God has prepped me for is different than what you might decide to do in terms of your time. And then the last one is, is roles and responsibilities. These are things that God has called us to. We are members of families, so we are a brother or a sister. We are a son or a daughter, husband or wife. We are a member of a local body. We are a citizen of the country. We have jobs. So these are kind of our roles, and as such, God has given us responsibilities in those roles. So at my job, I am to work heartily as unto the Lord, and I'm to love my wife as as Christ loved the church. So we have these responsibilities. And these responsibilities act somewhat as a, a, a check or, or as a gate to all the other things. So since we have this tremendous freedom in Christ, there's, there's not too, too much. Well, I mean, there's a lot of sin, but there, there, we have a lot of freedom and a lot of flexibility that fits within our purpose. We can bring glory to God in any number of ways. And when we start to look at how we might think God has gifted us, 
we can start to think, okay, well, this is the only thing that I should focus on. But we have these roles and responsibilities which are ordained by and instructed by God that kind of bring us back to earth. So if I wanted to spend my whole day weaving baskets, because I think that that is what God has uniquely ordained for me to do, he's got this check of, here are your responsibilities as a husband. Here are your responsibilities to your employers. Here is your responsibility to your family. And so what I might find is there are other draws that pull me away from spending all my time on one thing. But all of these are things that we can use to kind of funnel some of our decisions through as we look for ways to be better stewards. Now, on the other side of that, we have some of the tensions. I might be able to make a really phenomenal assertion about what I should be doing with my time, but there are going to be some things that kind of draw me away from that. So one is the tension between faith and feelings. So I may know the right thing to do and fail to do it because I don't feel like doing it, or maybe I'm angry at something, or maybe I'm sad, but there's going to be any number of reasons that my feelings might actually draw me away from what my faith would call me to do. And James reminds us, reminds us again that we are to be doers of the word. And when he does that, he doesn't give any provision for feelings. And actually, he says that our passions are the things that tend to draw us to sin. Our passions draw us away from, from obeying the word. So we know that there's going to be this tension. Sometimes our feelings do support what God tells us to do, and sometimes they don't. So we, we don't trust those feelings. We don't depend on them to make decisions, but rather we follow what Scripture tells us. And then the other one is that continuum we saw between covetousness, where I am fighting for something that is not mine. I'm maybe even trying to get God's control of my life. I'm trying to make decisions, or maybe I'm even trying to get God's glory out of the situation. I'm taking uh, credit for something that I should be giving glory to God. Now, we know that that's an inordinate desire for wealth or possessions or specifically for someone else's possessions. So we, and we also talked about, I think there were four people who are probably still here who knew someone who coveted someone else's car. So we, we know that we can covet those things and we can kind of strive for those things and put undue effort and we're really using those things for our own selfish ambition. We're using those things for our own gain. So, so that's covetousness. But one of the things I want to make sure we can kind of see, I'm going to back up a little bit, is how we can use these features or these concepts to help us make decisions. So if I were to ask you, um, you know, many of you know I played to the drums. When I was a kid, I played the drums. It was amazing. Well, I don't know if it was amazing, but it happened. If I were to say, hey, you know what? I'm considering playing the drums again at church, but I'm looking for some ways that I can help weigh that decision. What are, what, how can we use our purpose to help make that decision or to evaluate that decision? And Rob can't talk because he's not going to be very objective on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but how can, I, how can I use my purpose to, to evaluate the decision of whether or not I should play the drums? 
do we need a drummer? Is it meeting a need? Okay. Any other thoughts? Definitely. Do I have time for that? Why? Good. Is that going to take you somewhere from something else you're supposed to do? So those are all good, and those kind of fit in, in kind of what we're talking about. So if I look at my purpose to bring God glory, and, and, and the kind of ties into meeting a need, I can say, well, that fits. Let's get going. Because we have, again, we have a lot of freedom. We have a lot of flexibility. And so that's generally not going to, to cut out many things. Then I can go to the next level. Okay, what do I think God has uniquely gifted me to do? Do I have any skills on, on the drums? And some people would say no. And, and I would say thank you for your encouragement. <laughs> but, so that, that kind of factors into it. But another part of the question of you know, vision isn't just about what can I do, but maybe what do I think is the best use of all my gifts and all my talents? And so if I say that my vision, I think what God has really prepped me for, maybe if I say that's teaching, then maybe playing the drums isn't the biggest piece of the puzzle. Now, that doesn't exclude it, but again, it's, it's a piece of information. If I have to make a choice between that and something else, I might choose something that has more to do with teaching. Now we get into the roles and responsibility, and this is where it starts to be the delimiter. This is where it says, okay, can I play the drums at church and still do the job that God has given me, still keep the other responsibilities that I have at the church, still have time for my wife and for my kids, still have time to sleep and occasionally eat, um, and hopefully not do those things at the same time. And that's where we get the answer to the question of, do I need to make a choice? Because if, if I had unlimited time, I wouldn't have to make the choice between playing the drums and doing something else, playing the drums and maybe teaching Sunday school or anything like that. But when I start to look at all those roles and responsibilities that God has given me, I start to see you know, uh, things that weigh on my time that God says I'm supposed to do. It's very clear that I'm supposed to be doing these other things. This other thing is a question. It's a question of freedom and a question of availability. But there are things that God has called me to do as a husband. There are things that God has called me to do as a father. There's things that God, God has called me to do at work that I am to do, and I can't forgo those things because of other options. So these are all factors to consider as we start to engage in how we steward everything. There's... It, uh, we're probably not going to, again, be making tough decisions on whether I should eat bonbons and watch TV and go to Africa. It's probably not going to be that dramatic. It's going to be something a little bit closer to, am I going to use my gift in this way or this way? Am I going to go to this place or do this thing? Am I going to do this good thing over here or am I going to do this other good thing? And so as we consider that, these are some of the things that we can use to evaluate that decision. So are there any questions or thoughts on anything that we kind of touched on very, very quickly? Yeah, I, I think it uh, would also be confirmed uh, whether or not you should do it. Like, if I got up here today to play drums, afterwards it would be confirmed that I shouldn't be playing drums. <laughs> but if I go down to MCRD to speak, it'll be confirmed that that's what I should be doing. So sometimes when you try something, you can see that you don't have a gifting there, and you're, it's that, that lack of gifting will be obvious by the people screeching.
in pain. And sometimes that gifting will be confirmed by being able to see the positive outcomes for some of, for some of those things. Good. And again, that's, we talked a little bit about how even if we do end up serving in the wrong place or we end up thinking that we've served in the wrong place, we can still learn from that. So it, yeah, so it can be, I can get up there and you know, find out, yeah, this is the worst possible thing in the history of the world, or I could find, oh, I actually do have gifting at something that I wasn't aware of. But, but God can use those, those things that way. Okay. Any other thoughts or, yes? Well, and I th- so the question was, what if you have a skill that you're really good at, but you don't enjoy it? And I think part of the question is, should you use that skill, or should you kind of go on and do something else? And this is, um, this kind of touches a, on a couple of things. It kind of touches on the notion of contentment. So what are my opportunities? Because it never boils down to just one piece. So for instance, if I had a skill that I was really good at, but I didn't enjoy, but that was a job that would take care of my family, then at that point, I'm, it's not just focusing on the skill, it's not just focusing on my enjoyment or lack of it, but rather what can I do with this to uh, do the things that God has called me to? How can I steward this skill? So I would, I would say that it's never in isolation, that's why when I'm looking at a decision, it's, does this bring God glory? Is this kind of in line with what he's gifted me to do, what the talents he's, he's, he's given me and the opportunities? And am I able to meet those responsibilities he's called me to in Scripture? So, so we know that no matter how we feel about a job or a skill or an opportunity, or no, how, no matter how much time we spend in prayer, or reading, we know that if we don't provide for our family's needs, we're worse than a heathen. So if we did have to do a job that we didn't like, um, with using a skill that we had, we are being a good steward, not because we are maybe uh, ignoring you know, that we could be doing something else, but rather we're using what we have to accomplish what we know God has called us to. Now, the contentment piece was two parts. We talked about this a little bit. One part says, okay, I am content with what God has provided me. If I take that and I add to it complacency, which says this is all there will ever be, I mean, if I add that, I've moved into complacency. So if you have a skill that you're very good at and you don't like it, what you can do, one, is, is be content. God has given me this skill. Utilize it as, as best you can. And then start looking for how can I change this skill? How can I change the opportunity? I mean, I'm going to do whatever I can while I am where I'm at. But I am looking for other opportunities because maybe I know that I have a passion in some other place. I may use this skill to fund an education to gain another skill that I can use to to do what I want. But it's not you know, kind of just drop and go because it, of a feeling. And again, this is where our feelings can kind of draw us. Your feeling can be saying, God has gifted you for something else, but that does not automatically mean that you stop doing what you're doing. It means, okay, maybe you start directing yourself in another direction. You,
I see it has a purpose for God, maybe if I'm focusing on that, I can start to see a, a, a benefit or, a, you know, a more positive side of the activity instead of, you know, maybe my own personal. <coughs> right. So if you can see the purpose that God might have for that skill and kind of also for you being where you are, then that might change your understanding or your perception of, of what's going on. And you're right. Yeah, so if I can see, you know, like you're saying, if I can see that this is a way to grow me in any number of ways, whether it's perseverance or patience or trust in God, and it also provides for my family while he's teaching me these things, then maybe I look at it a little bit differently. But definitely that doesn't tend to lead to, I have to jump out of this situation. But, but you can kind of see how we, we can, God will grow us in that. And it could mean that you're moving somewhere else. It could even mean that, you, you're, like you said, your focus was on the wrong thing. Maybe I don't like using this skill because it's too far in the background and no one ever notices me. Or, you know, any number of reasons that God could change while you still use that skill that he's given you and that opportunity that he's given you. Any other thoughts or questions? Uh-oh, it's Ray. <laughs> yeah, so feel free to ignore this entirely. I don't want too much of a rabbit trail, but that stimulated the thought, the question for me is, what if you're in a situation where you have a skill and you really enjoy it, but providentially, where you are doesn't really give you opportunity to pursue that, but you're quite convinced this is really what you want to do. It meets all the criteria that we talked about, but, but okay. there doesn't seem to be the opportunity to use it. Okay, so the question is, what if you have a skill or a gift, you're confident that that's where you're, you're, you're gifted and where you should be spending your time, but there doesn't seem to be an opportunity for you to use that skill. And again, uh, I would still back up to the notion that God is sovereign, so we want to factor that into. So whether it's a skill that I don't like, but it's, I'm amazing at it, or it's a skill that I have and I don't have the opportunity to use it, kind of backing in. So when I'm talking about considering your life as a whole, these are the kinds of things that I'm getting into of how, what is God trying to teach me with this? But in that specific instance, my simplest answer is do what you can. So you may not have the opportunity that you're looking for. You may not have the ability to do things exactly the way you want to. But you probably will find that there's some way for you to do something that moves you a little bit closer to what you're doing. Um, I've been interested in teaching for a while. And... Like we talked about, I initially I was playing the drums. I was playing the drums in part because I was asked to. There was a need. I love drums. I was playing the drums. The next thing I was asked to do was to kind of work on the AV teams. And again, that's, that's not in and of itself a teaching opportunity per se. You got to push some buttons and make some lights go on. But there was an opportunity to try to instill that group with this learning mentality, this teaching thing. So in the AV a group, we tried to make sure that everyone was constantly teaching and everyone was constantly learning. And so that was a way to use that gift or that notion in that capacity until 
there is an opportunity to, to do something else. So I think one of the things that we can learn from lack of opportunity um, is the need to grow in another area or a need to kind of figure something else out, whether it is, you know, again, we talked about whether it is uh, humility or whether it is uh, patience or whether it is whatever. We can be growing in areas that we need to grow in order to better utilize those gifts that we know we have. So I can be, you know, a phenomenal uh, basketball player, which I am not a phenomenal basketball player, but God can do anything. I could be a phenomenal basketball player, and we see that in those situations that sometimes their careers are shut, caught, cut short, either because of a lack of work ethic or because of lack of character. And we can kind of see how these things that we don't think are any way related to basketball really have an impact on their ability to use their gifts and their skills. So since we know that God is comprehensive and he's looking at the whole person, sometimes when we don't have an opportunity, it's because we are being trained so that when we do have an opportunity, we are better prepared to, to utilize that opportunity. So it's, it's kind of, the, again, the kind of the contentment notion is, yes, here's where I am. I'm going to be content here, and that doesn't mean I necessarily stay in every scenario. But it does have an action associated with it, where it is I'm looking for ways that I can do this thing. I'm looking for lessons that I might be able to learn in this situation because it won't necessarily always be like this. There may, by God's grace, be an opportunity to use this that I don't see if I work doing whatever I can while I'm here. So, does that kind of touch on it? Any other thoughts or questions? Yes. So you said a couple of things. One of them is it's making sure that we grow where we're planted. And the other thing was, um, I'm going to paraphrase, essentially God can use skills that we have in ways that we never thought about. So skills that I thought were supposed to be to grow in the corporate world got turned into being an advocate for my children. And again, this is really one of those points that kind of talks to the fact that God is sovereign over all spheres of our lives. And when we look at our lives holistically, I could make the misconception that a gift that I have is just for uh, work. Uh, a skill that I have is just for being at home, or an opportunity is just for church, or that sort of thing. But in reality, God can and should use all of those things collectively. So God understands better than we do that we are one person. We have a finite number of hours. He's going to grow us in every place that we go 
and he's going to use our skills differently. And so part of the, the understanding is, yeah, those skills that you have at work can help you at home. Those God-honoring skills that you learn at home can be a blessing to the body of Christ. And what you do at, when, in the church should be uh, an aid or help to the community. So you're exactly right where, yes, those skills, God can point them in different directions. And we can kind of participate in that creativity by looking for ways that, hey, and Mark mentioned it last time, what do I do at my job that might be a blessing to the church? If I can build a house, maybe I can help build a church. If I can do accounting at home, maybe I can do that you know, at work or whatever. So there's definitely a lot of crossover. And then you mentioned also the notion of, kind of going back to the notion of growing where you're planted. And again, that reminds us that we are not accidentally where we are. So when we are at a place where we maybe don't have the opportunities that we would like, or maybe we don't have the gifts that we'd like, or any of the things that we like, those aren't accidental situations. It's by the same loving God that guarantees that he will complete a work in us. He's placed us there. And the call is not to necessarily just see how fast you can get out of that situation, but rather how you can grow and learn what God intentionally placed you there to learn. Um, one of the examples, I mean, I haven't always been a believer, so I know it's, it's, it's unbelievable, but it's true. <laughs> um, but I kind of had a similar scenario, well, not with the, the kids, but I had a scenario where I advanced rather quickly um, at a couple of companies, and I was put into a leadership position, and very young, went about leading the way a very young, poor leader would lead, and then found that I was no longer, had the same responsibilities at these places. So at the time, I could just get another job. So the wise youngster that I was, I got another job. And they were enamored by what I was gonna be able to do, and then they slowly or very quickly realized, you don't need to be doing that here, and so I got another job. And so I did this, I hopped from job to job to job to job because those places were all wrong. And, and it wasn't until I became a believer and came to see the God's sovereignty over these, all, all these things and also ended up without a job for a couple of years that I realized, you know what, I should probably stick at a job and learn what God's trying to teach me. And what I learned after finally having enough children, again, this is where God uses these things to, to keep us in places where we learn. I had some kids who needed to eat, so I was going to stick at a job, even if I didn't like it. What I learned there was that my consideration wasn't for the people or the organization as much as it was just about you know, getting to the end of this objective. And so as a leader, for me to be only focused on making sure we get X, Y, and Z done, I wasn't being a good leader. Every one of these companies was right to say, hey, you know what? You have some skills. You have the ability to do this. But you're not taking care of our people. So we need to make sure that you're not doing that anymore. But that lesson isn't learned if I keep jumping from organization to organization to organization. I keep ignoring the fact that maybe God's got me here. Maybe that opportunity that I don't have is actually protection for me and for those that are around me. 
But the contentment notions doesn't say that I'm going to stay here. It kind of goes, and maybe if I learn what God is trying to teach me here, things will be a little bit better. Maybe that opportunity will, will show up. Yes? Okay. Yes, I'm going to try to restate it <laughs> because some people can't hear you. Okay, so uh, what you're hearing me say is sometimes we need to disregard our feelings. Um, we have a passion that could lead us to what God is actually calling us to, and there seems like there's a conflict uh, between something, you know, our current circumstances and, and where we think God may be calling us, and kind of the question of what, which. Which passions should I follow, and how should, should we listen to? Which right. right? <laughs> so, so in terms of the which passions should we listen to, again, that's where we have a lot of freedom as long as it's within our purpose. So if your passion is in line with glorifying God and it fits within that umbrella, that's great. The, I wouldn't say that I was saying disregard your feelings, but rather don't follow your feelings in the sense of letting them make the decisions for you. So... You can have a, a passion, but it also has to be married with patience. So the more you, you know, you're responsible for, I mean, if you're husband, father, parent, whatever, you've got to be really patient as you, you make some of those moves. But it doesn't mean that you don't utilize those things. And again, that's where the contentment notion seems to be, I will sit here and do nothing. But I would say, again, that's complacency. So if you have a passion that you believe God is calling you to, you do need to marry that with patience depending on where you're at. I mean, obviously, if you're a young single person, you have a lot more flexibility on how much chaos you can cause in your life. Uh, but, 
but if, you know, the greater the responsibilities. And again, that's where our roles and responsibilities act as um, buffers for these types of decisions. So any move that I can make and still keep my responsibilities as a husband, still keep my responsibilities as a father, keep, still you know, honor God, obviously, but still be able to serve at the church, those are, those are fair game. When I have a passion that makes it impossible or improbable that I will be doing one of those things, that's where we start to get into some tough questions. So it can be a God-honoring passion, but if for my circumstances I can't do anything about it, then I don't just run and jump off the ship. Now again, contentment is not doing nothing. Contentment doesn't say I can't do this right now, so I can't do this ever. The contentment says, right now, this is with my knowledge and with my resources and with what I understand, this is the best utilization of my, my giftings. And I have this passion that says I should be doing this other thing. So I'm going to take, again, going back to the do what you can, I'm going to take a little step to move me towards this, word, this direction. If we're really wise, we use what we have to start moving us over there. So again, if I have the skill, even if I hate it, but I can earn the money to get an education to get the other thing, I use that skill that I have to start moving me in the direction of where I want to go. So again, it's not, okay, your passions, you should completely ignore them. Those passions are, they can be God-honoring. They have to be, again, filtered. That's why we always remember what our purpose is. We kind of get a clear picture of how God has designed us, but we also consider where we are, all the roles and responsibilities that he has on us. And those are kind of, again, those are used as governors to make sure that we just don't go off in any direction. We are always going to have to combine uh, some patience in, into the piece. But yes, you, you have the freedom and the flexibility to be able to start moving in the, any direction as long as it meets those criteria. As long as you are still obeying God as it, as it relates to being a husband or a father or whatever, you, you, you can kind of move there. It probably just won't be as fast as you would like. And again, if it's not as fast as you, don't, if you would like, you're probably learning patience. So, um, well, one last question, if there is any, because we are up on time. That is what we, that's kind of our responsibility. So when I say I'm looking at my roles and responsibilities, those are God-ordained instructions to me as a husband, as a father, as a, an employee. So I am called to obey him in all the spheres that he has placed me. Yes. So the, the, the comment was Jonah was disobedient and he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do until he was encouraged uh, to, to be obedient. And again, whether it is abject disobedience in the sense that you know, Jonah went literally the other direction, or it is the we need to work on some pride. 
We need to work on some patience. We need to work on uh, considering others more important than ourselves. There can be any number of those areas where, yes, you may be there until you repent of that, that activity. So that can be a reason. And again, for me, as I, as I talk about uh, whether you know, it's the job situation, I was not a good manager. You know? And so I was not going to be a manager by God's grace <laughs> until I had worked on some of those things. And so that's, yeah, as we look at God's sovereignty, as we look at his ability to place us exactly where he wants us any second of any day and keep us there for as long as he wants to accomplish what he wants, we need to be looking. And again, that's what we want to be looking for, is what is he trying to teach us? What is he trying to cause us to learn? And again, to your point, uh, that doesn't mean that you'll never get to that place where you're using the passion. And to your point, it may be that you are not able to use that passion until it's um, metered with some of the other things. So. Well, cool. Well, that was the first half of the lesson. No. <laughs> we'll, we'll maybe do the second half next week or the week after. We're, actually, next week we're going to be uh, observing the International Day of Prayer. So we are going to have some folks coming and talk is, talking to us about uh, churches that are being persecuted in other nations. Uh, so we'll use that time to pray for them next week, but then we'll jump back in to the second half of this session. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you again for your sovereign and loving control, Lord, and your guarantee that we will be glorified in heaven with you uh, after you have completed your work in us on this world, Lord, and we and we thank you that you lovingly give us all these gifts and opportunities to use them and to return them to service for your glory. So would you give us grace this week, this day, Lord, to use everything we have to honor you. Lord, and give us wisdom to know um, how best to do what you've called us to do. And strengthen us with your Holy Spirit. It is impossible without it. And thank you again that you've given him to us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>